Hello and welcome to another edition of Open All Eyes, the QPR podcast that brings you a 4-2 victory, which means, of course, Lawful Woods is on! <laughs> Clive, you're getting this reputation now of only coming on. Mr after... Happy, right? Mr Happy. Don't get carried away. <laughs> um, don't don't get too happy. But no, you, you always said that you already dragged in, but it was like a an emotional retreat of madness, and now you're here after another victory. Yeah. yeah I'll it? do the Cardiff game and you guys can talk about Blackburn. That was a Cardiff. Wasn't very good, was it? Mm. Okay. Um, Flo, as always, it's so lovely to see you. Thanks. You sound very sarcastic when you said that. I wasn't meant to. <laughs> it's all right, Nin. Good to be here. Thanks. Yeah. How is uh, BBC London treating you these days? It's all right, yeah. Had some good days, some bad days. So were, you, were, you, were you interested in what happened to Wally Downs, by the way? Oh, yes. <laughs> Some of, those, some of those bets were placed when he was at QPR, weren't they? You just knew that we were going to come into that story. <laughs> I didn't even see. Was what were the so were the dates quite allegedly? Far back, they were uh, quite far apart, and but yeah, some of them were when he was assistant. As I was just, it's one of those things where you're like, I bet we're involved in this, and lo and behold, we are. <laughs> I often think if you had like the the two careers having a war, somewhere along the line, there'd be a QPR shot or something. Worse, but this is where we are. And Peter Blakesley. That, Good evening. How are you, big man? Very well, thank you. Made your debut last year and um, went on to do other things afterwards because um, I'm not sure you're still part of the TV show that you are on before. Are you still doing Hunted or...? No, no, no. I've left Hunted and I am now hunting a real fugitive rather than pretend ones. Basingua. <laughs> Somebody who's wanted for rather more important <laughs> matters than turning in rampantly poor performances for us. Can we agree to disagree on that one? If you wish. <laughs> How I've uh, commissioned a celebrity version of Hunted in Italy today, uh, starring Francesco Totti. So even no, though it'll be what? in Italian, you would want to watch that, right? No way, they have Seriously? Oh Amazon. my God, it's gonna be on, this? It's going to be on Amazon. I have, yeah. I yeah. can't wait. I'm going to get my Italian friend to translate it for me. Okay, do yeah. a interesting. Not since they did The Apprentice with Flavio Briatore, have I wanted to watch Italian <laughs> television quite as much as this. Do you know how I was thinking about the other day? I can remember. Do you remember the Italian goalkeeper that joined us for a while on the Rossi? Yes, who who just served a very long gambling ban or yes. match fixing ban, yes. isn't it? Yeah, and was they, as big as a house. Yes, yeah, they were the days. <laughs> oh, I love that. Right, listen, Saturday was. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some parts of that game I felt were things of beauty that I thought I'd never see. That like you know that we triangle that Manning, Eze, and who else was it? Manning, Eze, and Chur played. No, I just how good was Saturday? Who wants to kick off? Go on, Mr. Happy. Mr. Happy. Well, I, did, I, I was annoyed with Cardiff, uh, and I was more annoyed. Okay. With, with Cardiff than anybody else seemed to be. Because, I didn't see you because at everybody came. Everybody came out afterwards, and was like, "Oh, didn't we play well? And we dominated the game." We had 70% of possession and whatever. And, you know, we've lost the game 3-0. And I just thought, I hope we're not going to go down that Brentford, Dean Smith, Justice League sort of nonsense thing that we've been taking the piss out of them for for, for years of it doesn't matter if you lose 3-0 because we played properly and they didn't. That sort of attitude, really, it grinds me almost as much as, you know, Pulis ball at the other end of the scale. Mm. You know, I thought Brendan Rodgers' Swansea were just as boring to watch as Tony Pulis's West Brom. 
So all these people, when everyone came out of Cardiff and was all happy and, oh, we're you know, just unlucky, I don't think you do lose 3-0 unluckily. So I went into Saturday wanting to see all of that possession and all of that stuff we were doing with the ball, but with an incisive cutting edge at the end of it and some end product, and we got that in spades. I thought we were brilliant on Saturday against a team that we have struggled to play, a team that doesn't really suit us, scored four fantastic goals. Like three of the passing moves for the goals... I didn't even realise the first one at the time, watching it back, there's about 19 passes in yeah, that move. Yeah, someone said me. You know, we going into the box and coming out again or just keep the ball, keep it moving, keep probing, but with an end product. I just, Saturday was everything I wanted to see after Wednesday, so but, I was thrilled. And that end product was largely down to the fantastic determination of the back stick of young, bright, I say, Samuel. Yeah. Mm. I mean, his role in that goal was absolutely wonderful. And to see a young man with such commitment and such determination is an absolute joy. Yeah, got a good goal as well, which he, I think he needed because he's, he's missed a few chances and gone out of the team with injury. But the way Warburton seems to rotate his team is that if you come in and play well, you stay in. So that's what's happened with Chair and others. And I think it's really showing in, in the performances, the determination to hold onto the shirt. Ryan Manning, like prime example of that, I'm sure we'll come on to him. And also, it's all, what was clever about the way Bright Say Samuel was used is he actually sort of started on the right hand side and then moved towards the left in the first part mm. um, of that first half, which really, you know, Blackburn struggled with. I also think, for me, I was watching the game and I was thinking, yeah, we're playing pretty well, but if Blackburn just decided to press us a bit harder, like obviously West Brom did, they would probably have quite a lot of success. They gave us a lot of time on the ball. They weren't really chasing the game very much. Um, Tony Mowbray was understandably absolutely fuming and laid into Tony and Chenzo post-match a Take little on. bit. Say more. Um, so I, we were waiting for the to do the post-match interviews and I, because it's BBC Radio London, I only do the London manager. Yes, so I was go, waiting for Warburton. And... Um, I think to- I was standing there and he was Tony was interviewing me. He said something like, you know, oh, were you, you know, impressed or did you think it was positive that your team managed to get a goal back or like, a couple of goals back and when it was, you know, 3-1 or whatever, did you feel like you could have got into the game? And uh, Tony Mowbray turned around and said, I think that's a question or something. Well, I don't even understand if that's a question and then just walked off. Um, so he obviously was pretty... Um, Pretty peeved at their performance, and I thought they weren't great. I thought we let sort of let them game in, let them back into the game a little bit. But I did. I would have been pissed off if I was a, a Rovers fan and if I was Tony Mowbray because they just seemed lazy. I think we played well, but they made us look exceptional at times. I think we played them off the park as well. At, at points, we were too hot to handle. But there were other times. I just thought if they, you know, if Bradley. Dak actually sticks his finger out and presses a bit harder on Barbe and Leisner, like when Kelly made that mistake and they had that chance. If they just did that a couple of times, they would have had success. But they were just a bit sort of like, oh, let's just wait for QPR to give the ball away. And there were points where it got really scrappy and we gave it away and then Rovers gave it away and then we sort of took control of the game a bit. But um, it was, yeah, it was a funny game. Obviously, the scoreline kind of shows that. You never saw six goals in that game, No, you? it was bizarre. It was but, bizarre. Um, a wee message there for Tony and Chenzo, mate. Keep working hard at it. Don't let it affect you. Keep your head up, mate. Don't worry. Other people have been told off by Tony Mowbray. <laughs> Peter. You're going to have to cut that or you'll get a letter. <laughs> I'll probably get one anyway. Um, uh, that's why I always brought Sega. Um, anyway, Peter, 
Thoughts on Saturday? Never mind Cardiff. Because I get what you said, but sorry, Peter. I get what you said about Cardiff. Cardiff was just one of them games we're going to have throughout the season. I think we're going to get them sort of results, and it's how we bounce back. Well, that was it. That was an impressive thing about Saturday. You know, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's Saturday was everything I wanted to see after Wednesday. Like I said. I felt sorry for the supporters club because they got there 20 minutes late. Sorry, guys. The thing is, is that a poor side scored two goals against us. Now, of course, it's no secret that we're shipping goals by the bucket load. And that really, really does concern me, not only now, but moving forward through the rest of the season. We have yet to keep a clean sheet in the league. Mm. And something really has to be done to address that. As we were travelling to the game, me and my youngest son, and we're always doing the usual, what do you think the score would be, what are your hopes for today... I actually wanted a 1-0. I would have taken that. And whilst it was richly entertaining, there was some wonderful, wonderful football played and some great goals scored, of course. I crave a 1-0 home victory over somebody. I just think... I've, I mean, I, I completely get that. And we do... You can't keep defending like we're defending and, and get anywhere. But I just... I've, honestly, I've been so bored through the Hasselbank and McLaren eras in particular that I'm just still... Enjoying the honeymoon period, and yeah, the de- the defense is all over the place. Barbe gives another another penalty away that he didn't need to need to do. Um, well, it's interesting because in the post match interviews, I asked Warburton those two questions. This is one of the twenty intended didn't get told off. <laughs> no, okay. And I said, when to, well, you know, are you worried about the clean sheets? He said, no, not at all. He basically, said, you know, clean sheets will come, and if we win four two every week, I'll be getting the bottles of champagne out. Um, in the bar so he's more than happy to pe- play this slightly chaotic attacking football and I think he thinks the ho- the better we attack the better we'll defend as well so he's only seeing the positives and I don't think he's too concerned obviously we've got 19 points and we've conceded 19 goals so it's a basically a point <laughs> a point a goal um, to concede but I think on the Barbe as well in the Barbe thing as well I said you know is this an issue? He's been sent off. It's conceded three penalties now. And he, he said, oh, you know, I've seen some of the stuff that's been written about him. It's rubbish. I mean, I haven't seen anything unless he's going oh, We on. called him the Barbinger of Doom. So it might have been us. <laughs> Maybe it was you. I mean, unless... That's actually quite good. Unless, unless, it's Simos, so credit, okay, credit him. Unless he's good. not taking your advice and he's going on Twitter a lot. But I haven't <laughs> seen particularly a lot in no, much I mean, a, press at all about talking about QPR really that much. I think if you look... Um, when we conceded the penalty at Chef Wednesday, just look at the uh, look at the club tweet. But it was Grant Hall that gave that away, and it wasn't a penalty. Uh, look at the replies. There's about sixty replies under the club tweet, all from people that aren't at the game, all going Barbe again. Oh, I bet that's Barbe again. Is that Barbe? It's actually not. <laughs> so uh, there is a sort of. Uh, to yeah. be fair, he hasn't he hasn't started you know in overly brilliant fashion. But there is a, a sort of school of thought that you know you, you write these players off straight after you've bought them. You know we, we can't keep. Buying players, you have to give that. You have to give them a bit of a chance, but I do. I do wish it was definitely a pen, though. Yeah, obviously, and yeah. not, not a challenge you needed to. Not a challenge you needed to. But make. then well, that's said, a, Warburton said, "Oh well, you know, Leisner and and Yoen are our last line yes. defence, so they have to make challenges like that." Which I get, not but also like you don't. <laughs> you don't need to make challenges like that. And he also tried to move the blame as you would and say, "Well, you know, we're only ha- we're only putting ourselves in these situations because people are missing tackles earlier up the pitch." We, like, well, I, I, I prefer that argument to you have to make a crap challenge in the box. I came out of Saturday thinking that Scowan had had his best game of the season and I think with the ball that he had. And I also thought Cameron was very good on Saturday. But somebody, the guy that writes our talking points on the Monday made a point that actually Dak for the penalty and, and for the second goal was able to sort of walk through the middle of the midfield 
quite easily, which mm. shouldn't happen with two defensive midfielders and two centre backs. Um, yeah, their their um, their second goal. I mean, they passed it round us. I think I think we were just exhausted by that point. It was just like bang, bang, bang. Everyone sort of putting a leg in, sort of half heartedly and lazily, and then it was just a tap. I do I do want to accent, like, accentuate the positives though, because I do I do think Saturday was fantastic. I think the start of the season, albeit we've beaten the teams we should beat, and every time we've played a decent team, we've lost. Did you just say QPR have beat the teams they just beat? Well, if you look, yeah, if you look at the league, so we're bang in the middle, and we, basically everybody we've beaten is below us, and everybody yeah. that we've played above us has beaten us. So you know, we we were of a certain standard, but compared to what we expected, and some of the football we're playing, I think it's fantastic. I mean, Chair's pass completion must be knocking on the door of a hundred percent. That boy mm. never gives the ball away. He's just he's metronomic with it. Every pass is to a teammate, and the way he moves off into space and runs beyond the defence, leaving acres and acres behind for Eze. I don't think it's a surprise that Eze's already matched his goal total for last year. He's come on, but playing with Chair, I, I could just watch Chair all day. I just, I think, you know, there are issues with the defence and the midfield. There's, there's also defensive issues down Ryan Manning's side, although I think he's probably player of the year so far. But I just think we should accentuate the positives while they're there because, you know, we've, we've scored four at home again. Three against Luton, three against Wigan. This is great compared to what we've been watching over the past few years. It's like a breath of fresh air. Okay, so here I come with my bucket of ice cold water to pour (laughs) over all your enthusiasm. I'm not normally enthusiastic, it should be said. And of course I loved Saturday. It was a real gem of an afternoon. But, you know, this Keegan-esque kind of attitude that they get three, we'll get four, begs the question, what did Keegan win at Newcastle? How did it all end there? True, but it's, I'm just comparing it to what we've had before, and I couldn't. I was starting to get to the point, you know, Middlesbrough away last year. I was just standing at the back of the saying, I do not want to be here watching this. I can vouch for that. I watched you. I do not <laughs> want to be here watching this. I don't want to it's come true. and see QPR anymore. So at the moment, I'm a bit flush with. Well, at least it's worth watching, and I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of the way they're they're playing. But yeah, I do get what you're saying. Ch- it, will all, it will all end in tears if you keep defending like yeah. that. Yeah, but there's yeah. something fun about living on the edge as well. I guess it's like it's exciting open football. It's not Holloway booting it up the field to Matt Smith, and it's not mm. Hasselbank. Let's try and get keep possession all day and like you know grind out a one nil win. It's or not. or McLaren having thirty percent possession and hoping that you're going to repeatedly win games of football with that low level of possession. Yeah, but yeah. What, what I think is really interesting, and this is something I was I was looking at on Saturday, is if you are a decent footballer in West London of any standard and the coach took you to the game and you look at Manning, you look at Cher, you look at Eze um, and, and, and others. You also can, Samuel, you know, you're talking about academies. Well, no, yeah. just, just saying there's an, you've got a chance here. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's that kind of like, there's no fear in them kids, they're playing really well. Whereas if you go to all the bigger clubs and you, even the likes of Fulham and stuff like that, you kind of think to yourself, at least we are doing what we used to do for years and years and years, we are, and hopefully that will enhance people. Well, how many together. how many years have we sat on this podcast and bemoaned during the Hughes and Redknapp? It just the Ugh. we were absolute million miles away from having anybody out of our academy even getting on the bench. You know, mm. Redknapp one night picked two goalkeepers on the bench rather than putting an yeah. academy player there. And now we've got you know whether they came through our academy from six years old or arrived as sort of 14, 15-year-olds from other academies or whatever, for me, is irrelevant. We're developing players. This is what was meant to... This is what we've been saying for so years. You, so, I mean, I've been a, a critic of what was going on with the transfer policy and layers and Gary Penrace, but 
Do you think that this is now they can sit back and take some credit for what's going on, or do you think it's Warburton? I see, Warburton's go. Warburton takes all a lot of credit, uh, but Warburton was an appointment made by Hughes and Ferdinand, whereas mm-hmm. McLa- as we've said, McLaren and Holloway were foisted on them from above. So this at least was a Ferdinand appointment, and we sat here on the pre-season thing and said Les needs this to go well because obviously they had to rip the squad apart in the summer, but ostensibly, until we see the accounts, we don't know, but it looks like we've cut the wage bill substantially, got a lot better. The team's got younger. It's better to watch. So, you know, credit to Warburton, uh, Warburton, but credit to Hughes and Ferdinand as well, potentially. We have to decide at the end of the season, because as we know, it's QPR, this could all fall apart. (laughs) But at the moment, it looks looks like a big win all round. I absolutely love the fact that there are these young players, whether they've been part product of our academy or the complete deal that's yeah, gone throughout. Whether, it's, yeah. it's a wonderful thing, and it's it's a source of enormous enjoyment. And for me, it offsets the fact that I had to buy a programme at the start of the season, because manifestly I haven't got a clue who so many <laughs> of our players are, because they've just been bought in. Uh, so that offsets that for me a bit. But it's good, because it's so important to have pointers, for me, for kids. You know, you, you can say to these people, there is a route to the first team, we will give you a chance. And sure... Wouldn't have got the chances getting an eye on the McLaren. There's no two words about it. He had been sent back to Stevenage or something like that. And it's because in people did games, and I'm, I am pleased because after Cardiff, I know what you're saying, but I, I, what I like about Cardiff, there was no boon, there was no harshness. It was like, yeah, well, that's no, happened. That's good. And on Saturday, everyone was behind the players again. There's still a few people around me that like to moan about absolutely everything. Well, one of the positives, I think, of the, the bad years that we've had and the struggle we've had getting the wage bill down or whatever is it has burnt off a lot of hangers-on that arrived. We know, had hangers-on? Yes, we did. I remember... I remember do you not remember being at Charlton on the opening day of the season when we sold that away end out and it oh. went off when we lost two? You know, all those... We were the most drunk exa- match I've ever seen. Well, it, was, it wasn't alcohol. I, I know exactly what it was because you saw it happening at half-time. But, you know, those hangers-on that came, you know, sort of quite nasty, away games were unpleasant places to be, there would be fights in the way, and those hangers-on have drifted away and it's gone back to, you know, it's a much smaller away following, but it's the, they care. Yeah, of course. It's gone back to the 900 people that will be there regardless, and the atmosphere has in, has improved that. What we haven't talked about, and we probably should address it, is the Lumley situation. Was it the correct call? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. without a doubt, I'm heavily involved um, with a local cricket club where I live, and there's a cricket phrase when a batsman comes to the wicket to start their innings and after a couple of balls you can see that they really don't have the technique or the ability and you'd call them a walking wicket. In other words, they're going to get out very, very soon. And unfortunately, in footballing terms, whatever that expression may be, Lumley was a mistake waiting to happen. Yeah, so. I think his, his, his confidence had gone and the goal at West the goal at West Brom just showed it really. You know, it's just... He was, he was getting to the point where he was costing us a goal every other game. It's like what Robert Green was like at the end of his time here and you, you can't... You can't persevere with that. I said in the summer I didn't think they'd brought Kelly in not to pick him, so I'm not surprised that he's coming. I mean, he hasn't... I don't think he's made a save yet, has he? I mean, none of the goals are really his fault, but it'd be nice, it'd be nice for him to make a save at mm. some point. But I just... You can't just persevere over and over again because Warburton's team selection, as we've said, is if you get your team... your place in the team on merit, you keep it. Because I'm almost certain he wants Lee Wallace in there, first chance he's got. But Manning's playing so well... He won't do it, which is the right thing to do. But it's not different for a goalkeeper. If your goalkeeper is making fundamental mistakes that cost you, it doesn't matter if he's a youth team graduate, 
you know, it's weird with goalkeepers. You, you take him out, you put the other goalkeeper in. That's why the other goalkeeper's here. I think it was the right decision. He's short for a 21st century goalkeeper. He, he? is quite short. Yeah, yeah, midget, yeah. Yeah. That guy can talk. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that showed, actually, you know, when, when I watched him dive for the penalty. Yeah, the he, dive he, for the penalty wasn't great. No, no, I know, but he's <laughs> a long way from the post. <laughs> he was, at, I was Even at full stretch. I mean, I've seen him face two penalties so far, and... Uh, just cut the nonsense out, mate. Just stand mm. there and try and say yeah, that Portsmouth, yeah. he was yelling at the player, throwing the ball away, getting booked, knocking the crossbar around. Yeah. They scored. And he, he got it in the ear from the Portsmouth striker, as you would. Saturday's bouncing around. Actually, when the ball struck, was, both, his exactly. feet are in, both his feet are off the ground exactly. when the ball struck. So he can't, he can't, even though Dak just literally rolls it about three yards to his left, because he's jumped up and he's in the air, he can't. Yeah, it was it's so dumb. stupid. Yeah, it was, just, so it was an odd. It's an odd technique. I'll give him that. It's a strange. But he of... did save some in that Bristol City shootout. But no, he did. Yeah, I don't necessarily. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if that was necessarily his ability or. No, there was, yeah, no fair. <laughs> there was some. I there were some decent that. saves in that. Just... But yeah, he's the obviously he did made that mistake when Barve did a risky pass back to him and then he passed it to I don't know if it was Dak or Armstrong whoever for Rovers and then there was the penalty save when I, I thought so well the penalty attempt to save I thought what are you doing um, there's more to saving penalties than shouting at the striker yeah it was just, but you know <laughs> You've never watched I'm the not saying bring <laughs> I'm not saying bring Lumley back in but I'm just saying well, at the moment I'm feeling a bit like oh is this a better we, option I don't we know were, we were spoiled with Smithies weren't we I, yeah. think, I, think, I know Smithies isn't playing particularly well for getting he played well against us on Wednesday. Of course he would. They all um, do. But yes, yeah, so we were so spoiled with Smithy. Smithy's penalty saving technique, he was able to get down into the bottom corner from a standing start. Mm. I've never really seen a goalkeeper be able no. to do that. He would be able to get a hand right by the post in the bottom corner from a standing start. He wouldn't have to guess, and I'd, I've never seen anything like it. And not being the tallest of goalkeepers, either. No. no, yeah. We had that debate on the podcast, didn't we? We did. His, but... uh, he insisted that his Wikipedia said he was six foot two or something, but actually... He's I like, think Kelly went for the But it's quite bizarre, because I went to the, the match last week with my, my mate Stephen from Dungannon, and um, we were talking about Kelly, and funny enough, Stephen's nephew's Scottish team is Livingston. And they watched him a lot last season. Said he's really good in the Scottish league, but like everything else, when you come to the championship, it's so much different from the Scottish league. But six foot two, I'm not sure he is. He's definitely not six foot um, two. I oh, know. Sorry, Smithies. I was talking oh, about yeah. Smithies. But yeah. I mean, he's, 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 I'd like to see what he said. But you know what? It's going to be given, it's, it's going to be given a chance. I feel. I feel that if he doesn't do well, then we may be looking for a new keeper. Yeah, in maybe. And it, um, it was it, the original question was: Was it right to drop Lumley? I think we all agreed it was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I, I now we're, the, the, the football we're playing, we're now looking for a goalie who's good at his feet, and I don't think Kelly or Lumley are, are but either of those are good at their feet. I thought, Kelly, I thought so. Kelly looked better with his feet on Saturday than Lumley did, and the key to playing out from the back through your goalkeeper is it has to go pretty quickly. Exactly. Because the longer you hold on to it, the more the options are closing down. It's like NFL quarterback. You know, The longer you hold on to the ball, the more chance you have of being sacked, and Lumley's confidence had gone to such an extent that he was second-guessing himself and holding on to the ball too long to the point that all he could really do was give it away or go long. So but at least just... Kelly's come in and was snapping passes around. That first goal on Saturday, watched it back again today, actually does start with Kelly, the yeah. Kelly's, Kelly's Gow and Lice Nababe combination. Then you go to the Stoke game and then you got Lumley doing... Da, da. But I just think with Lumley, it's, it's a shame because I think he, there's a good keeper in there. Well, he definitely. could come back, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, not yeah. the end, it's not the absolute end of his oh, career, God, no, is it? You know, he might go and have a good career somewhere else. He might Kelly might get injured, he'd come back and play well. 
you know, it's not. How, how quickly can you bring him back? That's the other thing. Well, you don't unless yeah, unless yeah, Kelly starts making horrendous mistakes. Yeah. Also, FA Cup in January, maybe you know, Warburton will use that as a way to bring him back in and give him third round game. And as we know, both goalkeepers are under enormous amount of pressure at the club to play it out from the back. But I do hope somebody reminds them that just occasionally you just have to leather it and get the frigging thing out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, um, we did. That's we basically killed Matt Ingram, didn't we, last August? Mm. Trying to not only bring him into a championship team for the first time, not only make him replace an amazing goalkeeper like Smithies, not only play behind a very poor defence that had lost its best players, but also, by the way, yeah. we want you to have a 10 on the back and be the playmaker as well. So it's like, yeah, you do have to be a bit careful. You think it days bad with Lynch in front of you? We're going to make it a bit worse. See, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I struggle with is, are we asking too much of keepers in the respect of they've got to be a kind of a beck and bar now at the back well, as well? Do you not think, are you not enjoying it? Are you not... I think we play. I just no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, the way I'm Warburton's been able to bring this style in compared to the way McLaren tried to. I mean, McLaren tried this style for four games. Mm. We lost all four. We conceded thirteen goals. We lost seven one at West Brom. It was an absolute nuclear meltdown. Yeah, but do you not Warburton's think, come in and we are playing this style and you, we are winning games? Do you not think McLaren the problem was his hair got in his eyes? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. Am I? Well, I can't really talk either, can I? No, yeah. But the thing is, I, I think McLaren will. It, it, he was just negative. He, he what I like about Warburton is he. he I mean, whatever you say about Barbe doing the penalty, he came out straight away and defended him. Something that Holloway probably didn't do enough of. Something that McLaren definitely didn't do enough of is actually say, do you know what? Yeah, he has. Well, that's right, wrong. But I'm going to defend my players, and I kind of like that. In some what ways. I have noticed about Warburton is whenever we lose, he comes out and sticks up for the team. Yeah, he did that at Cardiff yeah. in the week. Yeah, and whenever we win, he comes out and talks about the things we did wrong. And I said he's trying mm. to start. He's trying to strike that happy balance with young. It's a young team. He's got some young kids in there. I think he's trying to strike that balance of doesn't want them to get too carried away if we do go on a little winning run, but also doesn't want them to lose faith with this very particular style of play that he insists on. If we do lose a couple of games, because it could go either way. They could get Bertie Big Potatoes. We've won four games and we're going to fanny about and whatever but also it could oh we've lost a couple of games this is nonsense you know we can't play like this we'll start knocking it and the couple of games we did lose back to back we shipped five goals with none in reply so. and, he, but, and he was very positive about it and Indeed. like I say I was quite annoyed after the Cardiff game about all this oh well we dominated possession didn't we look wonderful but I did notice on Saturday we scored four goals and he came out and was talking about the negatives again he's just trying to sort of coax a group he doesn't want them to lose faith in the method but also mm. doesn't want them to get carried away when it does go well I saw also his programme notes on Saturday were superb. Usually that's just ghost-written, yeah, trotted-out, yeah. trite media stuff. And uh, he said everything in those programme notes that I wanted to hear after Cardiff. I thought they were very specific. They were clearly from him. Um, and if people haven't read it, I think that you should get hold of a copy. It was just absolutely pure, spot-on, you know, not trite media nonsense. So, well, we're into the season now, Peter. What's... I mean, you can't say it's got a panic because this is QPR, but do you think we could possibly knock on the door of the playoffs and not get in them? But that that's in sense a good season, isn't it? Three points separate the top ten sides. I don't see why we can't win the league. <laughs> okay, Aim high. okay. I like it. You, you, you kind of just jumped over my question really nicely. Go on, tell me why you think could we win the league? What? You know, I just massively contradicted myself because I've been banging on about not keeping clean sheets. So but has the um, team ever gone up without keeping a clean sheet? I very much if doubt that, it. Oh, that's a great quiz question. Absolutely. Let's find no, out. never, never, never. No. Utterly impossible. But if anyone could do it. <laughs> 
You never know. Look, I mean, I, I, not e- I mean, not even in like nineteen, you know, oh one or something at the start of. <laughs> I mean, the only team league. that could possibly have done it was that Preston team that won every game in a season, but the season was only about nineteen games long or something. But no, I almost certainly not. Um, I just think we need to remember what we expected from this season Absolutely. and where yeah. we are and, and where we are European now. European trophies. And <laughs> and as I keep saying, the championship this might be a very good year to be just quite good in the championship. Because mm. the championship is I mean it's awful anyway. I but pick- why is it getting so bad? I thought this this season of all seasons I know we say every year, you look at teams coming down, you think this this is gonna be really hard. And again, it's just panned down to... But it's a, perfect, it's a perfect storm of some teams that have come down and have big parachute payments are in a bit of a mess for whatever reason. Stoke, Huddersfield. Huddersfield. You know, they're the teams that you would expect normally because of the money, but they're in a mess. Several teams that have spent big money trying to get up there haven't, and the FFP has caught up with them. Derby. Forest. For, Middlesbrough, Forest Birmingham. Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, Forest have got a cast of a thousand footballers, haven't they? Um... So all the promoted teams there hasn't been a promoted team I think Charlton will fall away although I'm, I'm impressed with them. I watched them at Fulham on Saturday I thought they were great there hasn't been a promoted team that's come up threatening to do what Southampton or Sheffield United or Wolves did and just pile straight through the promoted teams are mostly crap it's like a perfect it might and we've also lost some teams that were obviously going to dominate the league Newcastle Wolves Brighton just through you know running the club well or having loads of money did you say Newcastle running the club well? No, just had loads of money. Didn't okay. They just came came down, bought two eight million pound strikers, and went yeah. straight back up, beat us six 0 You know, that they, had, they had that no was business. Ridiculous. So, but all of that's gone now. The only team sort of Leeds were meant to be the team that steamrolled oh, the division, and they're still as big they're a bottle struggling. jobs as they were last oh. year. You get they're frightened of their own shadow, Leeds. So it might be a good year to be quite good. My question is, Warburton. A bit like McLaren last season, but I don't want to kind of mention that name. But obviously, McLaren last season, we had getting to the getting to the FA Cup fifth round and beating Forest away were his two two big sort of mm. achievements. Warburton's already we've already won at Millwall. We've already beat Blackburn Rovers for the first time two at goals. home since '93. So, what's going to be the next challenge or the next thing that he's going to chalk off the to do list in terms of milestones? Double well, for Fulham. I, I think the most important thing that I would like to see at the end of the season, and I won't get sight of it, would be the balance sheet, because that will dictate where we go the following season, the season after. Well, I'm led, I'm led to believe because they were they were offering three, three and a half million for McKenna from Aberdeen in the in the summer and didn't get him. But I'm led to believe that all of that turnover we had in the summer and the big earners going out, I mean, it looked so random at the time. But I'm, I'm led to believe from a good source that we actually worked ourselves some FFP headroom now which means that the wage bill is more like where it needs to be I think it's been 30 million in the last couple of accounts which is way too much for us so I think that big summer turnover has actually but look, we don't get to find that out until February next, next season yeah. so yeah so yeah. We're, before we've been trying to wash our face as CEOs always say we're actually having a nice shower and we've got we've got room to spare if and they that- could shower a big commanding centre back this way that would be great well you know, horses, courses, and everything else. But Who can pass? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a tough one. We don't want much. Would you like it away when at Chelsea in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, Clive? I mean, yeah, you could throw that in. I mean, the thing is, I, I, I generally, I'm loving going. Like you said earlier on, and I, I was at that Middlesbrough game last year because I was not that far in front of you. 
And you were like quite kind of isolated figure in the seats. Like quite a few of us were kind of watching it with our heads down and thinking, this is just... Well, conceded the goal after about 30 seconds. Oh, it was awful. And as soon as it went in, you knew that was the end of the and, game. And, and it's, it happened time and time again. Whereas this season, like, the, so, the pictures that came out on Saturday on social media, the, the, the guys hugging and that Eze. It's quite interesting, that Eze picture, because you had Eze, you had Naki Wells, you had Manning, and you had Bright Samuel in that photograph posing. And I thought, last season, they went inside. Do you know what I mean? And Naki Wolves are struggling and it's kind of like they've come back, they've proved their worth, they've proved they deserve it and do you know what? Seeing QPR players smiling, I'd give me right hand for that two seasons ago. And they'd lost two games last week so Saturday yeah. could have very easily gone another way. They could have switched easily but the crowd haven't switched and that's an interesting one, Peter, as well. I mean, we were talking in the pub earlier on that you've seen the 75 team and you've seen so many more brilliant, beautiful football teams than this. But don't you find it nice that the crowd are actually being patient for once? Yes. Um, I found it a bit gloomy on Saturday, that, and, I, and I haven't seen the stats, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but I thought there were more empty seats on Saturday than there were against Luton. Mm. Um, I'd, really, yeah. I'd really like to see us ramming it out at Loftus Road. Yeah, I agree. You know, if, each, we keep playing like, if we keep Saturday, playing like this, you would hope that... Um, yeah, I mean, come on, why not? Let's get behind Warburton. Let's get behind the team. We all know it's a, a roller coaster, but we're still not selling it out, and that's deeply disappointing for me. Hopefully, Brentford will be the real test. That, it's that. annoying that that's been moved to Monday. Yeah, yeah. but they, all, it, it's been moved so much recently. But hopefully, that will be a good one to bring people in because also. I mean, there's been some really good, exciting games between Brentford when we had crap managers. So when now we have when we have a manager like this and we're playing crazy football, the manager like they want to give stick to probably as well. I'd imagine. But the funny thing is about Brentford. I, I did. I mean, me and Ian McCulloch have always had these Brentford conversations about how much money they've made for month players. But they seem to have been found out this season a little bit. They, 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 they could they go down? Are they? No, 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 no. no. I watched, no. I watched them play Barnsley last week, and they're obviously they're obviously a good team. I just no, think, that's a shame. I think yeah. they often. They're often a little bit sanctimonious, Brentford. They get a little bit full of themselves because they, they obviously do very... They, we all know the club is being run very well. They've got a new ground coming. They're higher than they've been since 1992 or whatever. They're a good team. They're trading players superbly. They're scouting superbly. But they do get a little bit full of themselves. Um, and I think that's maybe caught them out a little bit this season and losing more pay right on the deadline. Because their team with more pay up front looked very dangerous. They lost him right on the deadline without real replacement. Um, but I did, you know, like when they drew two two at ours the other day, you're two nil up going into injury time. You're thro- you know throwing more strikers on, sending out tweets thanking the Brentford family for a wonderful night. You know, the game's not over yet, lads. Yeah, and you get, and you get done by you, that was what I was saying at the start. Mm. They got done that night by pumping long balls to Matt Smith, and their attitude afterwards was, "Well, if you want to play like that and get a point, well, good luck to you." Well, yeah, good luck to us. Thanks very much. But uh, the funny thing is, my, my my daughter, much to my shame, as I said in last week's podcast, went to see Brentford on Saturday because her boyfriend's taught them his best friend is Brentford or one of his best friends. I don't know what anyway, someone. And I was annoyed at Lily. So I wouldn't I was like, you know, you should be at Rangers, but whatever. She wanted to visit her boyfriend. So she's sitting there and all the way through the game she's just talking to everyone going, oh, anyone know what the QPR result is? And she reckons if she had been male, she'd have been killed. But it was quite nice that she was just reminding him, going, oh, oh, another one's gone in. Oh, another one's gone in. And, I've, got, uh, I've got no beef with Brentford. I'm, they've got a massive beef with us. Yeah, I know they have. And, and, and there's the, history behind that and whatever. I've got no beef with Brentford and I enjoy watching their team. But this, 
you know, we're the best team. And they always, they, you know, they get well, beat, the best in Middlesex. They get beat three nil at Leeds or whatever, and they say, oh, "Well, you know, Leeds said we were the best team we played all season," and that's why I was annoyed after Cardiff because I don't want us to be like that. It doesn't matter if you play nicely. If you've lost three nil, you've lost three. You don't lose three nil accidentally. I also think there's something about as well at the moment having, you know, a European manager. It's all a bit sort of, oh, we're you know really ahead of the curve. We're really advanced. Well, we tried that with McLaren, didn't we're we? We're really advancing football with you know the manager we have and all this kind of stuff. Whereas it, at the end of the day, in the Championship, that might not get. They had big, and they had huge. Far. They had huge player turnover in the summer. I don't know why we've suddenly done ten minutes on Bradford, but they had huge player turnover in the summer, which is difficult to manage. Which bringing it back to QPR is another reason I'm so impressed with what Warburton's done because to do. 16 in and 20 out or whatever we did over the summer and to be in the position that we are in it's pretty damn it's pretty damn good so all we got to worry about is Ollie Watkins apart from that can, can I just put this Brentford thing to bed then if I may of course you can please, please God yes I wonder if our boardroom are glancing a rather envious eye in Brentford's direction because the Trinidad new ground, ground solvent well yeah, run they are and brilliant, they're brilliantly run but yeah. That's anyway, that's the phone call. <laughs> yeah, talking of Brentford, um, a couple of seasons ago, I remember a certain Clint Hill took issue with certain Brentford fans. Let's, let's see if Clint remembers it. Clint, we've just been talking about Brentford. Um, do you remember um, your time playing against Brentford and a certain Egypt in the crowd was having a go at you? Uh, yes, yeah, probably one of the career highlights, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> it, was, it was very complimentary towards me. I think I came uh, I came off that game injured. thought I'd done my knee quite bad. Um, oh, and he decided to, to ask me how I was doing. And hopefully I'll have a speedy recovery, so it was very nice of him. <laughs> I actually thought, and you can't comment on this because obviously you're, you're still in the game, but I actually thought you were in your rights to actually jump in the crowd and kick him and show him how good your knee oh, was you working. Can- yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you can understand why Cantona did it. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and you do get that urge. You certainly do. And when people come up to you like that and think um, that they can treat you differently because they're on the other side of a fence, then uh, yeah, it, it does cross your mind, mate. But I think you get in a lot more trouble than the fellow would. So you have to kind of restrain yourself a bit. Well, I heard his boss was a QPR fan and he got sacked. But I don't know how true it is. That's... I've, I've heard. I've, I've, I've had some private. <clears throat> I've had some private messages and. Uh, I've heard some things that happened, so um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it went down too well with, with people that he knew. So exactly, um, maybe, like, you'll, maybe you'll learn next time. <laughs> and you kissed the badge as well, which is which wouldn't have. Anyway, we're with Clive, Flo, and Peter, so we're going to ask some questions, and Clive's going to kick off. So I mean, Clint, we've all been massively impressed with uh, with Mark Warburton so far. You uh, you obviously played with him, played for him. Up in uh, up at Glasgow Rangers, what what did you think about the appointment at QPR in the summer, and what have you made of him so far? Um, I, th- I thought at the time, I thought it was a, it was a perfect fit. Um, the kind of the club's been kind of yo-yo in the last few years, not really knowing what what it was about, what kind of style it wanted to play. Was it going to promote youth? Was it going to buy players in? Obviously, with the financial restraints, um, they've had to bring the youth in, and I think they've done brilliant. Um, young Ibire and, and, and Chair, uh, Bright as well. They, they, they've done fantastic for the football club. Uh, young Manning as well, he's gone into left-back. Um, so it's, it's just been a real good time for him. He, he does very well with, with promoting young players. He's done the same at Rangers. Um, the one thing you can say about Mark, he has a very distinctive style of play. Um, you know, I mean, I've been with a few managers who don't quite know what the style of play is, but you can't say that about Mark. You know, he's got a very distinct way of playing, um, and he sticks to that. 
um, and that'll give the lads confidence. And I think you can see, certainly from from the last few performances, that when they click, they, they certainly do present a different than they have the last few years. What's he? Uh, what's he? What's he like? day to day to to have as a manager because one of the things we've noticed is he's he's quite harsh on us after we win and talks us up after we lose which I, i've just said is sort of trying to coax young players to to stick with the style but also not get carried away when it goes too well what's he what was he like when he was your manager because obviously rangers very tough club to manage and he ended up yeah. leaving rangers that season yeah, having was, got them yeah, promoted it was, a, it was a tough obviously it was a tough place to fly your trade, but he done fantastic. You know, he was he was very laid back, very chilled. Didn't really didn't really raise his voice in, in any way. It was more of a learning environment. You know, we've done a lot of video, um, a lot of analysis, uh, a lot of debriefing after games, and it was more of a learning environment. Um, and, and whatever you did wrong, you, you tried to kind of put it in a in a constructive way, which was great for the young players. You know. Um, and I can see the the young lads at QPR benefiting from that over over the course of a season or two, or forever uh, how long he stays. Really, how was that for you as a senior player, though? Literally, right at the end of your career, did you sometimes yeah. want him to come in and throw a few plates around of if course. it hadn't been yeah, good? Of course you do. Of course you do. I mean, I, I still think there's a time and place for that, and, and I'm, I'm sure I'm, it kind of gets a, a reaction as well when, when you're not quite doing it all the time, but you let people know that you are frustrated with with the performance or result. And, and, Sometimes it, it kind of makes people stand up and take notice. Um, but obviously, he had a different way of doing things. We had a lot of young players there uh, at the time at Rangers. Um, probably confidence wasn't the best because we weren't doing too well in the league. You know, you're either first or nothing up there. And um, we certainly have, didn't have a team big enough or, or strong enough to, to compete for first at the time. So we had to do it a different way. Um, but I, I can see I can see the benefit of it, and I can. I think if you ask the QPR lads, I'm sure they're very pleased with it at the moment. Clint, we've been talking a little bit about Johan Barbe and um, kind of the the ill discipline he's had so far this season. As a player who um, lived life on the edge <laughs> a little the bit, <laughs> and obviously pick, picked up a few red cards along the way, they were um, hard. They were just wrong. <laughs> how you know? How do you see that? Is is that something that you think can be rectified, or is it? It's just it's, it's in his blood, and he's, he's he's that sort of player. I think I think you'll always have that, um, and I think I think you do need that bit of nastiness, especially in professional football. Um, I mean, I think he's given away a few penalties at the moment. Sometimes you just go through uh, a run of games where nothing quite goes for you. Um, I think in general he, he's played okay. I've not seen too many of the games, but. Uh, the little bits that I have seen, he, he's done. He's done well. Unfortunately, he's just getting punished for silly little errors at the moment. But um, you do need that little bit of nastiness, and if you do lose that, then you, you kind of don't really become the player that you, you should be. Um, but he's, he's an experienced player, and I'm sure he'll bounce back from it. He was brought in basically because he can play out, play out from the back, which, as you say, is, is Warburton's style. You. Have have played uh, in Stoke teams and for Neil Warnock teams, where that's that's absolutely not the case. And you've played for Mark Warburton teams. How is how is that transition? And what do you think about this modern idea that we have to split and we play every goal kick short? You know, what do you think about that? Um, no, I'm a big believer in it. Um, I've, I've seen both sides of it, so um, I'm very lucky. You know, I've, I've kind of seen the, the old school fading out and into the new breed now, and. Um, especially at Fleetwood Town, we, we want to play football, um, and we'll be trying to do things like you know the, the new goal kick rule now, where you can stay in the 18-yard box. 
is is an opportunity for you to spread their team to attacking and, and counter attack. So there's there's loads of pros and cons um, in the way you play with Mark. Uh, he does like to be expansive. It's great when it comes off, but you've got to realise that when it doesn't quite come off, you're going to leave yourself open and, and teams will get chances. But that's that's the risk and reward of, of the way you play. Um, and I think I've, I've seen the, the table there. I think they've only drew one game. So it's it's quite an entertaining game to either yeah, winning or losing or, at the moment. It's been one thing um, or the other, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of the the, the pros and cons of, of having an, an open, expansive, attacking, um, nice to watch game, and then the flip side of it is: do you go really cautious, low block, being horrible, horrible to watch, horrible to play against? Then the fans would flip on you and say, "We want more attractive football." You can't win as a manager, can you? Really? <laughs> um, so it's 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 just finding that balance, and um, I think it's the right fit for Mark at the moment at QPR. To be honest with you. Hello, Clint. Peter Blexley here. Um, now, I'm, I'm the oldest man in the studio here by some way. Not so, that so, so, so uh, I may be accused of being a bit crusty, but I've got a bit of an issue with certain professional footballers, and I call them cone dodgers. Now, when the warm-up's being, going on before the game, the cones yeah. are put out and the players are asked to sprint up to the cone and sprint back or sprint round the cone and sprint back. Yeah. And when I see a professional footballer, most definitely not yourself, I hasten to add, <laughs> who is ducking, who is not reaching that cone, who's cheating themselves because they're stopping 18 inches short of that cone before they run back. If I were a pro- professional footballer like Clint Hill, which is never going to happen, who <laughs> always got to the cone, who always did the full rep, I would be hugely irritated by a teammate who manifestly failed to do that, who was ducking the task in hand. How do you feel about that? I, that's a good question. That. That's come out of that. quite like that. I think in terms of, if we put it into the context of if you're doing running drills in, in a training training ground drill and it's, it's, it's doggies or it's, it's a run to, to boost your your fitness then and you see people ducking short and, and getting over the line before you then definitely that that's a no-no and uh, you, you'd be caught up about that um warm-ups are a strange one everyone's got their own routine everyone's got their own habits uh, some people don't like to to go hard in warm-ups because they fear they might be exerting their energy for the game um i used to hate warm-ups i really did um i mean i've played slow for nearly 40 so i did get fed up with them in the end but um I just I just try to get through them, just try to concentrate, do the movements that I've been doing for a number of years. Um, so I don't think that, that the game one wouldn't really concern me because everyone's got their own habits and footballers are very weird people, believe me. Um, and they have, the, they have their own little habits and, and, and concerns during a warm-up. They're probably concentrating on the game, um, not trying not to make errors uh, and their minds are elsewhere. But if that happened on a, on a training day, then yeah, I'm with you all day. That would get caught out massively. Okay, thank you. Just to put it in the context, Clint, uh, Peter used to be in a TV show where they hunted people called... Oh, right. Hunted. Exactly. It, here am I. It was <laughs> on Channel 4. Over me, you know, see a helicopter. <laughs> so I think that's where he's gone from. So, uh, But you know what got me about your career at QPR and, and you, you've seen many a dressing room and stuff? What was the most... You don't have to name the player. Um, no, name him. Ignore Clive. Um, what was the most dis- 
what was what made you think this isn't this isn't right? Something's gone wrong here. Who who, who was the players that let us down in, in them days that the dressing room was split? Like we're led to believe, and players were absolute arseholes sometimes. Um, it's, it's hard. It's, it's. Do you want another question hard. about cones, Clint? You, you know, <laughs> when you see it's when you see the good lads leaving. You know, the lads who who, who kind of got the club where they were and they had the best interests at heart and. Um, that, that camaraderie, that spirit you had, and it's replaced by people who, who ain't really got it. You know what I mean? I mean, I can remember, I remember an incident with Embiya um, on a on the pitch at Loftus Road. He's gone down. It looks like he's broke his neck or his back. I mean, he's got nearly airlifted off into an ambulance. He's off the pitch, and literally five minutes later, he's tweeting, "Don't worry, QPR fans, I'll be ready for the next game in the ambulance." And you're like, "Well, where are you now, mate? We need you now." No, it's just little things like that. That kind of just took the soul away from 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 the dressing room. Um, there was plenty of behaviour, not not coming in on time. Um, bad bad performance on the training ground, on the pit. It was just it was just a, a wrong mix at the time for the club. And when it hurts, when you see the good lads going um, and being replaced by people who have no connection to the club, really. Have you changed your opinion about um, Mark Hughes and Harry Redknapp <laughs> having now Redknapp. having now gone no. into being? On the other, you you're on the other side of the of the desk now, um, yeah. and you you know assistant manager or coach or, or whatever. Have you have you sort of mellowed or changed your opinion about the situation they were in and and what they did back then? With with, with Mark Hughes, I have no sympathy to be honest. He, he dug his own grave at the time. Um, well, you would have dug it for him. It was a very big no. grave because he threw the club <laughs> well, into it as well. I mean, listen, the, 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 he went about the whole thing wrong, and I've been very outspoken about it, but. Um, he, had, he had to be outed because everything he did at the club was was wrong for for me, um, and I, th- I think he's being linked with Reading now. So, yeah, I mean, all the best to them. But um, with with Harry, it was it was, it was I, I had loads of time for Harry. I thought he was great. I just thought he got he, he just got a bit tired. You know what I mean? I just thought he was coming towards that end of his of his managerial career, and he just. He, there was a lot of problems in the dressing room. He just he's played with. He's had loads of top players that he's managed, and things weren't going great. And it, it can get you down. And I just felt it weighed heavy on him. Um, but I've still got a lot of respect for him. He came into the dressing room at um, at Fleetwood when we played Southend, and we had a good half an hour chat in there. And he, he was the life and soul of the party. You know, I just think that the whole weight has lifted off him from being a manager, and he was the real Harry around us. So um, that which was pleasing to see. How have you found the switch to being a coach? Because you got player of the year at Rangers, then you got player of the year at Carlisle, and they, and retired. Did, were you not tempted to carry on? And how how have you found that that switch and um, not playing? I, I was I was tempted. Yeah, I was. I got offered another year. Opportunity came to uh, to go with Joe to Fleetwood, which is which is a great football club. Um, the facilities are brilliant. The chairman's great. It's a forward thinking club. Um, and I just felt the time was right. I mean, I was probably just near, near my 40th birthday and you, sometimes you just think you, you're hanging around a bit too long here like a bad smell son so I'll just go out with a bit of a smile um, you're going out walking you, you haven't got aches or pains you've done well um, and, and move on to the next stage and I've thoroughly enjoyed it I really have it's been a great challenge um, totally different to being a player there's so many things that that you've got to think about you go into the, the ground and you don't know what's going to happen on that day there's so many different challenges Um but it keeps you young, and, and it's the only job that would, would satisfy me uh, as a person. You know, I need to be in that football environment because I've been 
institutionalised for so long with it, you know, <laughs> since I was 16. Well, what I would say, Clint, because we're going to wrap, wrap the interview up in a wee second, um, there's one thing that I'd like to see you do. Well, just when you're around in Fleetwood on playing, it's, it may be the Forever Hours. If, if anyone deserves to walk into that and... Um, become a member and, and, and meet the fans again? Because you never really got a chance to say goodbye to the fans properly, did you? And that, that must... Yeah, that hurt, yeah, yeah that, that hurt me, yeah, that did, because um, I do think the decision was made uh, a few weeks before the season finished. I do think they made them lined up and they could have easily um, done it a different way where I had... And not just me, by the way, I think Ali Fallen as well oh, could have had the opportunity to, to, to say... You know, thank you very much for, for how you support us because we were there a long time. We have been through um, a lot of ups and downs and it was a special play for us both. Um, so, yeah, I think that could have been handled a little bit differently. It, I really could. But, um, yeah, I, everyone knows how I feel about the club. And, um, yeah, so it was just, yeah, just the way it ended was a little bit, I don't know, I walked away and I was like, just a little bit deflated. But um, I think that's natural when you've left somewhere that you've been for six years. So. How, how good is Ali Falling? Yeah, one day, one day, hopefully I can go back and, 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 and say thank you. Well, Mr Hill, I would just like to say that from my position in the upper loft stand, you have been an absolute consummate professional in the view of me and my sons who go. You gave us enormous amount of pleasure. I was so proud to say that Clint Hill was in our side and I'd like to give you the heartiest of thank yous. No, thank you. Seriously, it was my honour, my pleasure to play for the club. It really was um, a special place for me. Really was. Love, love playing at Loftus Road. Great atmosphere, great ground, um, and it's given me the opportunity to play Premier League football. So, believe me, um, all my love and appreciations for that club, definitely. But well, maybe one day see you back in the dugout. You never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Indeed, football's a mad game, but. Um, hopefully Mark stays there for a long time at the moment because he seems to be doing things um, correctly which is brilliant and I, I really hope that Mark Hughes does extend the, the, the hand of friendship one day um, Clint so you can embrace each other hey, maybe we'll cross our pass in the dugout you never know which will be an interesting game I, I want a ticket for that game I want the friggin ticket <laughs> <laughs> that, that would actually be I don't know I never liked the fella anyway um, Clint can't thank you enough you've always supported our podcast and we're so grateful to you and we're so grateful what you've done for Rangers and um, hopefully when you sit down in front of the telly Monday week or so when we play Brentford you can see yeah. us absolutely shove it up them it'd be a great pleasure mate great pleasure thanks very much guys always a pleasure no worries thank big you. man good luck Saturday thank you have a good evening and you mate cheers now now talking about forever hours and of course Clint Hill would be a very worthy inductee into that group I am still livid about Tommy Smith. 47 appearances, <laughs> seven goals, and he gets inducted into the Forever Hours. What is all that about? I mean, it is just a faux, like, Hall of Fame thing. I don't take it... I wouldn't take it too seriously. It's... No, it demeans all the great achievers, all the loyal servants of the club, everybody who's gone before. It absolutely demeans and devalues their position in that group. It's a there's, nonsense. There's definitely been a few other randoms who've made it into it that I remember standing there one game and being like, this guy made. I'm surprised they didn't have Steve Slade on Saturday. That'll God forgive you, no. Because <laughs> I certainly don't. I mean, I'll come back. I think Clint kept it quiet there, but I think he's, he's coming to the Brentford game, isn't he? I think he is. 
there's no shush about it. The club have tweeted it. <laughs> have they? Oh, okay. Oh, I, think, I think so. I was frantically looking for it there before you let him go. He's, he's back for the. Oh, I think okay. he's back well, for the Brentford go. game. I don't know. I find the Forever Stars thing a bit cringe, and I, I really appreciate what the club are doing. I think for it's, those who wouldn't listen, it's didn't nice, know. but I do think there's already been a few Forever Stars inductees who've already like lessened the status of the whole thing in the first place for me. Right. And Tommy Smith, great guys you know, to help take us up. But him and I can't off the top of my head think of a few others. I'm like, this guy, you know, it's just, it's a bit random. Well, I'll ca- do you know what? I'll come back on this because I disagree with both of you, I think. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just think compared to, again, compared to where we were five or six years ago with former players and I used to come on this podcast and you'd have Mark Lazarus on saying he hadn't heard from the club, he hadn't heard from the club for 10 years, you know, Dave Thomas and people like that. And the way the club has gone about it with it, Andy Sinton leading the, leading the charge on this former players thing and they've now got golf days, they've got the number 10 foundation. I think it's night and day. And the Forever Arts Club isn't a hall of fame. It's, you know, otherwise you'd have, to sort of, you'd have to elect and you'd have to decide you know, whether so-and-so is worthy of uh, inclusion. coming into... Yeah, inclusion. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just it's recognising people that made effort. And on... On Tommy Smith, I mean, he, he was here for a couple of seasons. He scored as a goal at Watford that got us promoted. He scored as a goal against Forrest that year when Forrest were coming all guns blazing with four games in hand. He scored our first goal back in the Premier League at Everton, got us a win. He represented the club very well. He got absolutely shafted by Hughes, and instead of agitating for a move, he stuck around, then got back in the team and scored as another vital goal at home to Wigan, which ended up keeping us up that year keeping Hughes in his job for his famous this'll never happen again while I'm in charge um, yeah I, d- I don't begrudge I don't begrudge Tommy Smith being in there but I, d- I don't really begrudge I, you know I used to do my head watching Tony Roberts drop the ball in the net and I think he's he's got an admission and Carl Reddy you know terrified just traumatised my childhood but I think he's got a, he's got an admission I just I mean Carl Reddy was an extremely average footballer I think that's very but, generous but, but you know he, he, he had longevity at the club well, I'll take, I'll take, 40, I'll take 47 games, games of Tommy Smith over 290 Carl Reddy's. I, I think the thing is, if, when you talk about legends, in my opinion, you think of Macca. You, 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 you think of Phil Parks. You think of Stan Balls. You think of Rodney Marsh, even though we can be strange at times. You think of Dave Thomas. You, there's so many things that go through your head and, and stuff like that. But there's, what, there's about 30 of those. Yeah, and it, it's, but I agree with you. I remember we, used to, we started this podcast off, Peter like years ago and the club didn't do anything and I'd like to think that the podcast hopefully pointed them in the right direction at some point and said we, we need to bring all players back maybe they're doing too much of it I don't know but at least they're doing it but I, I the Tommy Smith one I do agree with you I raised an eyebrow then I raised another eyebrow he scored as a goal that got us promoted what, what do you want I think- people, people revel in Bobby Zamora Bobby Zamora came here completely unfit to play was completely rubbish for all but about six months of his career here at which point he started coming on for the last ten minutes of games and knocking in goals and everyone started sarcastically singing oh Bobby Zamora he then scores an incredible goal at Wembley gives us all of the best days of our life but the fact is Zamora was a very expensive mistake at QBR and he's held it as a hero I'd rather have Tommy Smith than him it was a great day at Wembley but it most certainly wasn't the best day of my life not even the best day of my Queen's Park Rangers support in life but anyway Moving on. Yeah, no, fair. fair. I'm sure I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> I'll take 6 0 against Chelsea at Easter. Yeah, of course, I wasn't. However, it was. You were probably all in short trousers. No, then, no, but, no. But. I was. It actually could have been nine. 
Yeah. I think we had the post a couple of times. John Burm is an absolute sitter. And I'm sure we had the post as well. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying about Zamora, though? I say, he's, but, he's hailed uh, as a hero at QPR now. He was here yeah, for no. four years. He earned a fortune. He was never fit to play. He scored one goal at Wednesday. Yeah, it was a fantastic... But that was a dog having a day. He's no Rangers hero of mine. None at all. The, anyway, yeah. so seeing as everybody's <coughs> pouring rain on my rants, can I just have another one, please? Yeah, you can have as many as you want. I'm going to agree with this, whatever it is. The shocking lack of balty pies... Loftus Road in the upper loft. If you go, <laughs> if you go to that kiosk at five past three, you won't get a balty pie. There's just no chance, and that is shocking. Seconded. It's typical. It's typical though because Rangers catering has been pants for as long as I've been going to Loftus Road, and that's a long, long time. So when I can't get a balty pie, I then go downstairs to have a fag. Sorry, life shortening habit. Don't do it. Right <laughs> to have a fag and get a portion of rather nice cheesy chips. From a stall, which is obviously pays a rent mm. to be there. Yeah, mm. yeah, but I'm sure the profit margin for Rangers must be wider on a bulky pie than it is on a portion of chips that are produced by somebody else. And yet, five past three, two bulky pies, please. We've run out. My, my confidence in QPR catering really fell because... When we were broke and in Division 2 and collecting money to buy Jamie Curitan, we had baguettes with our hot dogs then we got bought out suddenly became some millionaire football club and we had crappy hot dog buns that makes no sense so yeah i've had no faith in catering since well, 2008 or something like that so. well there's some influences here at loftus road <laughs> sorry the kyan prince foundation stadium which i'm hugely proud of that name um, i've met mark prince by the way what a fella yeah, he's mm. incredible. Legend. Oh, just amazing doesn't man. cover it um, so yeah, you uh, you influencers, QPR, please uh, sort out the bulky yeah. fires. Will you? Um, Give um, some good food. What I would say as uh, as a celiac, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, um, but what what Finny Bingo tick? But. Yay! No, the thing is about pies and QPR. We've had Adam McDonald. We've had celiac. Oh, I've mentioned Glen Torn yet. Yeah, um, now. Okay, <laughs> I haven't mentioned Northern that, yet. Well, oh, yeah, I have. But I was going to say, Peter, is that your RZN then, bulky pies? Yeah, I, I ran so. Could you let the presenter get on with the show before you start jumping guns, please? Oh, I'm no trying to get us. I mean, it's now whatever, my watch has died. That's how late it is. But we still we've still got Finn's rant about something that somebody said to him on Twitter to come. <laughs> so settle him. For I it. hope you've noticed I've been very good on Twitter recently. I've been very very moderate. I've got it, you on mute. <laughs> have you? It's a bit harsh. <laughs> no, you haven't because you replied to my tweet today, which proves you haven't. So there. <laughs> Anyway, it's ours end, and I'm going to start with Flo because she seems to be wanting to head off quite sharpish. So, Flo, what is it you have in mind for your ours end of the show? So, my ours end is uh-huh. um, an apology that got put out today, whether or not it was, you know, put forward by the player or the clubs involved, but it's in regards to the celebration that the West Brom player Pereira did after he scored West Brom's second goal and he did a throat sitting gesture um, at uh, the lower school end. And the West Brom put out an apology, well, also, you know, Pereira's put out an apology, uh, saying that, you know, he's sorry for any offence caused and he's from Brazil and in South America it's quite a common football celebration to kind of signify game over. Um, I kind of... I, I'm In two minds, I appreciate the fact that he's done an apology. I also think... You know, in the context of our stadium, that was a very kind of disrespectful thing to do. Um, but I actually think him doing that has brought more attention to the issue and the stadium because even though, you know, um, 
the Kyan Prince um, Foundation and, and what we're doing is, you know, it should be of national importance. It is, you know, got a local focus to it. And what happened to Kyan Prince isn't necessarily, or well, definitely not international news, let alone, you know, national news in some areas. So him doing this has kind of brought even more attention to this issue and say, look, what QPR are doing is bigger than just the local community. And this guy from Brazil didn't really understand the circumstances, doesn't know why our stadium is called that name, but now he does. And he'll, you know, think about that issue and think about what he's doing a bit more. So I think in that in, in trying to put a positive spin on it, I think it has had an impact in some ways. I think, you know, it was an ill-thought-out celebration. And if whether or not he, want, he you know, pushed forward that apology or not, I think I kind of respect the fact that they did it anyway. I think the apology might be made around him rather than with him. Well, Bilic, um, that's the same player that on the way off, uh, having been substitute, having a feigned injury, gave Ryan Manning's chin a little tickle. Mm. And Manning went for him. There was a bit of a set-to... Warburton objected. Bilic didn't see it. And the guy went down and sat on the bench. And Bilic said to War, like, was obviously coming to Warburton, what's the problem? What's the problem? And Warburton told him what happened. And he fetched that player back off the bench and made him apologise to Warburton. And they all sort of said, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, interesting. Um, I, th- I think that, honestly, I mean, shoot me down. I just think that apology today is a complete load of nonsense. I didn't even notice him do it. I think we live in a society where people are just waiting to be offended. And, uh, you know, 21-year-old kid scores a goal, does a goal celebration that he's seen on FIFA or whatever. He, he doesn't know what our stadium's called or why it's called that. And, he, you know, he's not referring to that. He's not doing it to be offensive. He's just celebrating his goal. You know, written apologies for that. I just, I thought it was massively over the top. I didn't even realise it was an issue until this apology was made. I, I just think it's a load of bollocks. I was but. the same, but I do, I do think, oh, well, at least he's, like, at least someone is kind of considering the reason it's named that in the first place. I also wasn't necessarily offended by it. I didn't really notice it. But he doesn't know about the situation and the context. So in in my head, I'm thinking, well, at least he's aware of that and yeah. the issue now. That's, I mean, that's I do, the only I do, positive I do, spin. I do know the situation in the context, and I still think it's a load of bollocks. But there is. Well, I'm, I'm quite pleased. Hopefully he'll learn a lesson and never score against us again. Therefore, no celebration. <laughs> or we put a proper wall up, and then it won't happen at all. <sighs> that's deep. Peter? Well... My uh, final words on this will be a bit of an amalgamation about what we've just spoken about and, of course, our beloved club. Next week, I will be going to the Old Bailey to see a man called Shane O'Brien sentenced, having been found guilty of murder. Shane O'Brien actually lived locally to the the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium. Um, He will be sentenced for the crime of murder. A 20-year-old man called Josh Hanson lost his life as a result of O'Brien's actions, I've become uh, a friend of Josh's mum, who is a remarkable, redoubtable, astonishing woman who I am very, very proud to be able to call my friend. Um, so if we go on a losing run, if we go on an unbeaten run, can we all just keep a bit of a sense of perspective about everything? Let's not get onto the players, let's not get onto Warburton. Let's go, love our club, enjoy the company of those that we go to the game with, keep a sense of perspective, and if anybody out there can do anything to make one person not carry a knife on the streets of our great nation, that'd be fab. And here, here to that one, definitely. Um, There's a fella called John Mooney who passed away last week. Um, Paul Bruins made me aware of it as well. I, I, I must have crossed paths 
we, we, we lived in the same area, we drank in the same pubs, we did the same sort of things, we supported the same football club. And um, reading his messages that have been on Twitter and being all over the place, if I'm half the person that he is as a fan, by God, I'll be proud of myself. Um, sympathy with his family and condolences is horrible. Um, sounds like a, he was a marvellous, marvellous individual. Um, and um, rest in peace, big fella. Um, my other R's end, which is quite straightforward and simple, is that just from what you were saying is that, you know, how do, how do we make London safe? We don't carry knives, we don't have a horrible atmosphere around places. You know, and just keep doing what you're doing, Rangers fans. The, the, the whole thing this season, I think, is it's been everyone hasn't been booing, they haven't been when teams are conceding. And what a difference it makes. The team keeps trying, everyone steps up the ante. You'll never get anyone playing better by calling a wanker. You just won't. And I'm loving the fact that we are giving players a chance this season and long may that continue. And by God, I tell you what, the Republic of Ireland must have some good players if Ryan Manning can't get in that squad. I just wish he was born a wee bit further over the border. Um, <laughs> we'd certainly welcome him with open arms in the international break. Right, um, we've no predictions to make, but what we can do, we can talk about where you think we may or may not finish coming into the season very quickly, briefly, before... Harry executes me in this podcast for going over time and Flo decides that she's she's left the shower on and floods her flat out. The flat's already flooded because there's a burst water made in... I must be bloody... <laughs> so- I must be frigging saggy. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, what this? I, I mean, I was going to do Ryan Manning as... Uh, oh, shit, sorry. I was going <laughs> to... Sorry, Clive. That's sorry. fine. I mean, you can't really follow what's been said before because that was it was an incredible end. Um, but I, you, I, like you say, what does Ryan Manning have to get do to get into that Republic of Ireland squad? Shoot nationality. Well, I think what Mick McCarthy's shown all the way through his career is the more that uh, people harangue him for something, the more the press get onto him, the more the fans appeal for something, the more he just entrenches himself in what. And it happened at Ipswich when he wouldn't pick Bursant Selina. And the Ipswich fans were like, why? why? And he kept leaving him on the bench, picking cold skews and whatever. Just the more you dig at him, I noticed in the press conference the other week, they asked him about Manning. It's like, Do you, have you considered calling up Ryan Manning? And he just went, no. And I'm like, and, I, and, you know, I know what he's doing. He doesn't want, you know, press and fans to be cracking on at him about a player, but also it's a young player that wants to play for the country to just sit there and go, no, you know, stop being a belligerent wanker about it. Um, looking at the left-backs they've got and the left-backs they've called up, and they called up Cunningham, who'd obviously got injured against us last week. You just, you do... The only thing I do think, we are conceding a lot of goals down the left. Manning's stats are amazing, but they're all attacking stats, and McCarthy's not an attacking manager. And I did notice that Blackburn at the weekend, they didn't get a lot of joy out of it, but they kept doing a cross-field ball, trying to get in behind Manning. Because it must be known that Manning's very far forward and is basically an attacker from left-back, and we are vulnerable there. And that's not McCarthy's style. So the answer, one of the tweets I saw you got before the podcast was, why is Manning not in the Ireland squad? One, McCarthy's a stubborn bugger, and two, you know, Manning is very attacking left-back. And, uh, you know, McCarthy probably thinks that left-back should have a pair of goalkeeper gloves on and just, you know, stand on the line. He's, you know, he's not the most positive man in the world, is he? But uh, if, if Manning keeps playing like he is, he's impossible to ignore. Agreed. Right, Peter, you've been brilliant tonight. It's been great to have you back again. Please don't be a stranger. You're always welcome on this podcast. And um, please come on again. I know you're busy with other things, and the I know you've left the Channel 4 show and stuff like that there, so can you say what you're doing now? Or? Oh, most definitely, yes. I'm hunting a fugitive, a real fugitive, not pretend ones now, a man called Kevin Powell, 
who is wanted in connection with two unsolved murders, well, two murders in Liverpool, one in 2004, the shooting of a 16-year-old boy, and one in 2005, the shooting of a 22-year-old mother of three young children, Lucy Hargreaves. Um, Please follow me on Twitter, at Peter Blexley, which is B-L-E-K-S-L-E-Y. You'll see all the updates on there. I've been hunting him for five months. I will not rest. I will find him. He needs to be put in front of a court of law and answer the accusations that are made against him. When you've done that, can you find David Speedy for me? <laughs> uh, no. No, it's what I tell him what I think of him. Um, Flo, as always, brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's just funny. Okay. So you, I've never seen you laugh before. <laughs> what? I don't ever. Clive, you have been flipping the happiest I've seen you in a long time. I cannot well, thank you for coming. It's a short list, isn't it, really? No, but seriously, thank you for bringing your happy hat. Really happy thoughts. <laughs> I'm really, really pleased you turned up smiling. Thank Keep you. the faith. Keep supporting the Oz. And we're doing it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>